Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Billboard Pop Shop Podcast. I'm Keith Caulfield, Billboard's Senior Director of Charts. And I'm Katie Atkinson, Billboard's Executive Digital Director, West Coast. Hi, Katie. Hi, Keith. Um, this is monumental, Keith. They don't know why yet. We're, we're actually uh, in the same room together. We're in our official podcast studio that we've literally never recorded in. It's happening no. right now. I hope the show, the show sounds impeccable right now. What do you think? Well, if well, we're not going to tell you if this is perhaps <laughs> the second or third try that we've recorded this on. But yeah, we are together in the same room recording the podcast for the first two time years in two years. I, I checked the other day, and the last time we were together was for the episode with Diplo in March of 2020. And we noted we're like, uh, we're like the only people in the office today because everyone was like not coming in. We yeah. Didn't know, we, and we're like, you know, we hope we hope that we can record this at home for the next few weeks. It was like the day after my birthday. I remember. Um, I didn't realize that was the Diplo. Did we actually interview Diplo in March 2020 or was it like February and we, you know, recorded it? I think it was in early March. Oh, wow. That's so cr- I didn't realize that. I think it was. Yeah. Oh, and, man. Yeah, but anyway, it's been two years, and now we are—and we've we've moved to two different offices, one of which <laughs> we didn't boxes, even work in. Our boxes have moved to two different offices. It's wild, everybody. <laughs> um, but all that said, um, as always, the Billboard Pop Shop podcast is your one-stop shop for all things pop on Billboard's weekly charts. In addition, you can always count on a lively discussion about the latest pop news, fun chart stats and stories, new music, and— guest interviews with music stars and folks from the world of pop. Today on the show, it's an exciting week in the top 10 on the Billboard 200 Albums chart as four albums arrive in the region, including a brand new number one, bumping the Encanto soundtrack out of the top slot after nine total weeks atop the list. Plus, on the Billboard Hot 100 Songs chart, Imagine Dragons and J.I.D. hit the top 10 for the first time with their breakout hit, Enemy. But first, before we get started, if you enjoy the podcast, subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast provider so you won't miss an episode. And if you want to explore more podcasts from Billboard, visit Billboard.com slash podcasts. And Keith, I'm going to say right now that I am listening to so many more podcasts now that I'm back in my car returning to work. Like, I've, I've caught up on all the ones I listened to over the pandemic, and now I need to add a bunch more. So I'm going to go to Billboard.com slash podcasts and find more podcasts. <laughs> How many more podcasts are you going to find there, really? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to find them. Okay. All right. Let's do the chart chat. First up, it's a big week in the top 10 on the Billboard 200 Albums chart, as after eight weeks in a row at number one and nine total weeks on top, the Encanto soundtrack falls from number one. Drops to number three this week, making room for a brand new number one album, Little Dirk 7220. The set debuts atop the list with 2022's third largest week for any album as it bows with 120,500 equivalent album units earned in the U.S. in the week ending March 17th, according to Luminate, formerly MRC Data. Oh, the debut of Luminate. By the way, the name of MRC Data changed. Uh, I would like to refresh uh, any old person's memory of the many names of Luminate. Why didn't you do a quiz, Katie? (laughs) Because I've already given you the answer. I know, I know. Uh, in 1991, when uh, the Billboard charts first began using Luminate's data, it was SoundScan. Then it became Nielsen SoundScan when Nielsen acquired the SoundScan company. Then it 
its name changed to Nielsen Music as Nielsen rebranded it from SoundScan. I'd just to like to say Nielsen that Music. happened while I worked at Billboard. So this is now the era. Mm. I, I worked there for Nielsen SoundScan and then switched to Nielsen Music and now, wow. not after that. Uh, Nielsen Music. And then when it, uh, when Nielsen Music was purchased by MRC, they changed it to MRC Data. But for a year, we went through a transitionary period between Nielsen and MRC where we called it Nielsen Music slash MRC Data. And then uh, I think it was at the beginning of maybe 2020 or 2021, it just became MRC Data. And then now, as of this week, we are calling it Luminate, formerly MRC Data. And it also encompasses some other data besides ours, right? Isn't it like all of PMC's data situation? Uh, so uh, as we... Is that is this complicated? I ask it, a complicated question. It, no, it's not. <laughs> I mean, it's complicated, but it's not that complicated. So uh, there, there was there there was a uh, entity called PMRC data. And within PMRC data, there was MRC data. There was variety business intelligence, and there might have been something else. And all of those things, PMRC data, MRC data, Variety Business Intelligence, have all now been rebranded as Luminate. All right. So Luminate's all you need to know now. Yeah. Until we, the name changes again. <laughs> no, no. We're sticking with this one, guys. Sure we are. <laughs> we don't work there. Um, all right. Uh, also in the top 10 on the Billboard 200 hard rock band, Ghost debuts at a career high number two with Impera which launches with the largest sales week of any album in 2022, a whopping 62,500 in sales, thanks to many uh, variants and varieties of its CD and vinyl LP release, while Rex Orange County collects his second Top 5 effort with the debut of Who Cares, and for King & Country land its second top 10 with What Are We Waiting For? Also, it's kind of curious that we have two albums debuting in the top 10 at the same time that both ask questions. Hmm. Both of those titles, Who Cares and who, What Are We Waiting For? have question marks at the end of their titles. And I don't know if you know the answer to this, Keith, but I, I think I saw don't. that Rex Orange County debuted at number one in the UK. I was surprised to see, like, I didn't realize... Rex well, Orange he, County, very popular. He's He is, actually. He was born in Britain. He was? Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, there you go. he was born in Britain. Um, but I I'm, I'm, I'd, I don't know the numbers there as well as I do in America. I saw the headline last night from our overnight editor, Lars, who once lived in the UK as well. He typically will write up a few things about the UK charts and the Aussie charts, and, and I believe Rex Orange County is number one in the UK. Well, good for him. Yes. Well, next on the Hot 100 chart, Glass Animals, Heat Waves continues to sizzle <laughs> at number one for a third straight week. Meanwhile, Imagine Dragons and J.I.D.'s Enemy rises 12 to 8, reaching the top 10 for the first time. The song is showcased at the beginning of each episode of the Netflix animated series Arcane League of Legends, which premiered last November. It's the fifth top 10 for Imagine Dragons following Radioactive, Demons, Believer, and Thunder. Also, I wonder, are they the only actor band with at least five top tens that are all one-word titles? Mm, well, uh, you would be able to research that. <laughs> Touché. <laughs> uh, as for rapper-singer J.I.D., this is his first top ten. So before we get to our Michael Buble interview, we thought we should just mention real quick the Oscars are this Sunday, this coming Sunday. It's a very busy award season coming up because we have Oscars this Sunday, Grammys next Sunday, and um, there's a lot of big music uh, moments planned for the Oscars. Just to refresh your memory, um, the Best Original Song nominees on Sunday are 
uh, Down to Joy from Belfast, performed by Van Morrison. Dos Orguitas, or I should say written and performed by Van Morrison. Dos Orguitas from Encanto, which was written by previous Pop Shop guest Lin-Manuel Miranda. Somehow You Do from Four Good Days, written by Diane Warren. Previous Pop Shop guest Diane Warren. Also. Uh, Be Alive from King Richard, which was written by Beyonce. Not, and not, Dixon. Not a free previous not podcast. Yet. Yes, not, not yet. yet. And finally, No Time to Die from No Time to Die, which was written by Billie Eilish and previous Pop Shop guest, Phineas. So. Um, it's yeah. a great, it's a pretty like poppy race, all things considered. I mean, these names I've said are, these are top 40 acts, obviously. Um, but in addition, we mentioned Dos Orguitas, but they announced last week that there will be the very first live performance of Hot 100 number one hit. We don't talk about Bruno. From Encanto. From Encanto on the Oscars. We don't know yet what that means. Like, you know, you've seen who this song is credited to. That's a long list of humans. I don't know if all of them will be up on stage or maybe Lin-Manuel will get up there. Who knows? Maybe they've commissioned a new original animation and they'll the, the animated <laughs> characters will dance across your screen virtually <laughs> like Mary Poppins style with the three hosts. Okay. <laughs> All of that could be possible. All of this is possible. I have to say, I have high hopes because of them billing it as the first live performance. It makes me feel like it's got to be an official performance by the Encanto performers, but we don't know yet. We don't know. They could also say that as just a way to, like, because they're desperate to get people to tune in because the ratings have been falling. It's working because they said it's going (laughs) to open the show. I'm going to be there at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific. And now it's time for our interview with Michael Bublé. The Grammy-winning singer-songwriter returns this Friday with his ninth studio album, Higher, and we got to chat with him about his collaboration with Paul McCartney on a cover of a Sir Paul song, teaming up with Ryan Tedder for the very first time for the title track, plus how Michael's son contributed to that one as well, and what fans can expect when he hits Las Vegas for a residency at the new theater at Resorts World starting in April, as well as tour dates in the UK and South America coming up this year as well. So... Here's our interview with the delightful Michael Bublé. And no matter whatever happens, I'll never not love you. Welcome to the Billboard Pop Shop Podcast. Michael Bublé, how are you, sir? I'm awesome. How are you? I wish I was there with you, smuggled up. Um, Fuck me, baby. I love this. I love caffeinated Michael Bublé. It's amazing. Your new album, Higher, has a really eclectic mix of new original tracks that you co-wrote as well as you know some covers of familiar songs as well as some not so familiar songs all that said what did you learn about yourself while making this album well i honestly i think i learned to let go a little bit honestly I have spent 20 years um, micromanaging, producing, and uh, manicuring every single note and sound that has come out of my mouth or out of the studio onto a, an album. And uh, early on in the process, my, my friend and, and a longtime co-writer, Alan Chang, said to me, hey, Mike, you know, 20 years or whatever, you know, you've sold 70 million records, you've you know, done them, you know, and... <clears throat> what would you think of letting go a little bit and giving your audience a really fresh take on what you do? And I got hurt by it. I said, well, Alan, what are you saying that I, I, I'm, you know, what I'm doing isn't working. And he said, no, it's obviously worked. He said, but 
I think it'd just be really nice for the audience to get a fresh take. He said, like, why don't you call guys that you haven't written with before? Why don't you call Greg Wells, an incredible producer? You never worked with him before, you know? And what's interesting is I did it. Um, the record became, uh, it was always a labor of love, but um, I just, I mean, together we all made the greatest record of my lifetime. And what I learned was that I didn't just do something that I think is going to be a fresh sound for the audience. It turned out being fresh for me. And I think that was a, a big surprise. It was just really fresh for me to hear. And, and I think much needed. And she'll be there This love of mine My valentine On the album, you cover Paul McCartney's My Valentine. Mm -hmm. It's a song I will freely admit that I did not know, but I knew that Paul had, I, I didn't know it myself, but I knew that Paul had written it for his Kisses mm -hmm. on the Bottom album a number of years ago. Mm -hmm. um, Sir Paul produced the track as well. Mm -hmm. That's incredible. So I'm sure you've answered this a lot already. How did the collaboration come about? And did you actually get to work together in person or was it like a virtual over Zoom sort of situation? I would say that, we were acquaintances. I'd met him a few times and he'd, he'd always been really kind and generous with his time. His manager, I believe wrote my manager and shared a note that Sir Paul had written me, which was, we hear that you're making a, working on a record. And have you ever thought of my Valentine and Paul? It's a you know really special song to Paul. And, and he thinks Michael could nail it. And, uh, I knew it and I, I knew the song and I liked the song and I wrote, I wrote back and I said, I love the song. I'll take a run at it, but it could, it could, could Paul help me? It'd be really um, helpful to me to have him come on board. Um, I worked pretty hard on, a, on an arrangement I thought was cinematic and deep and rich and was deserving of the song. I sent it in demo form to Sir Paul and I sent it with my phone number and he called and said, uh, it's lovely and all of that. And, uh, and I asked him if he would produce for me and he said he would. And, uh, we met a month later in New York and, uh, he, he walked in and, uh, he was incredible. He really, he fostered the love of the song that we both had. Um, he helped us to make sure that I think the performance was as rich and detailed as we both hoped it would be. Uh, I think, he lifted everyone up in that room. Those hundreds of musicians, I think everyone just uh, played better than they ever had before. It was just, it's magic. And uh, to be honest, I just really wanted Sir Paul to know that I hadn't asked him to be part of this for all the things he's done. I asked him to be part of this for what he can do. If we don't know by now, he is truly one of the greatest musicians, producers, writers, our world has ever seen. I mean, and so uh, you can imagine how much it meant to me that he would trust me enough to uh, to to to, uh, to trust me with his art. I, I mean, it was uh, it was mind blowing for me. I didn't. I got to be honest. I uh, I didn't expect so many questions about him. I know that sounds crazy, right? I. No, I, I mean, <laughs> no, but I mean, but he didn't sing a duet with me. He, do you know what I mean? It's I, 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 
I thought people would say, oh, tell me that Paul produced this. And I would say, yes, he's a man. I didn't expect it would be such a, but it's obviously, maybe I'm just an idiot. (laughs) It's a a fabulous talking point. uh, And I understand why they thought of you for the song too, because I mean, it, it really sounds like a standard that's been around for decades, which is obviously so in your wheelhouse, but it's a song that's only a decade old. Yeah. Um, And I feel like your arrangement and your vocal on it really like brought out the standard qualities of it. Yeah, thank you. And he's such a great writer. He writes this interesting way too, where he starts with all these minor notes and it's very dark. And then he transitions into the major where you don't hear that a lot in songwriting, you know, because it can sound very jarring. Um, But it was so much fun for me to try to unlock, uh, to unlock it. And, and part of that was, the reference, I, I, my, my friend, Nick Jacobson Larson, who actually arranged it, he kept calling me and saying, so what is a good reference? What is a good reference? And I said, well, I'd like it to have symphonic movement. I'd like it to have an orchestra, orchestra, orchestral arrangement where we don't use rhythm to advance the groove. I said, I want the groove to come from within almost very much like classic, a classical. And uh, Nick was a, a protege of uh, John Williams. So I'm, I'm working with the right people <laughs> and, uh, and the idea stemmed from uh, a Sinatra song. And so there was this rich, dark hue the song had naturally. And I kept singing to Nick that orchestral movement of when I was 17 and all these pizzicato strings and movement from within the woodwinds. I said like, you know, so we knew we started to work on it and we, we knew that we had something. And, um, and then, I mean, just getting to sit with Paul and talk about what the song actually meant to him and to know there was such deep personal, a personal investment to him. So, you know, having him produce it and, and sort of fostering all that love and nurturing us as we got through, it was great. And I think what was even more fun was when the session ended and I said, thank you so much. Thank you so much for your time. And he said, what are you kicking me out? Do I have to go? <laughs> and I said, no, no, I just assumed that you, he says, well, can I hang for a while? I said, yes, we can hang for a while. He said, can I call my wife to come and listen? I said, yes, you can call her to come. So it was, uh, it was just awesome. But anyway, is anyone surprised by that? I'm just glad I didn't watch the Let It Be movie because Jesus, I would have, I probably would have died. I would have been too nervous. You're like, please stay. We can, maybe you and I can write a new song together, mm. Paul. I mean, if you're willing. It's funny. I, I told him that one of my favorite songs of the last years uh, that is a song he's written called New. Um, I don't know if you know that, but I just it's from the album new I believe. from the album. Yeah. And I just, my kids and I, we all, they always ask for it in the car. It's, uh, it's funny. Cause you'd probably think like he probably thought I was going to say, you know, let it be or live and let that or something, you know, I, yeah, I like that one. It's good. It's good to name check a recent song. That's probably also <laughs> helpful as well. Um, I, I, I will say Katie, you're going to ask the next question and I will yeah. hustle through this, but I will just share with Michael. I got to interview Paul over the phone a few years ago when his Egypt Station album debuted at number one. And it was just a thrill to hear a Beatle on the other end of the phone. <laughs> and the interview lasted much longer than it should have uh, because I kept asking him questions. And he was so kind to just keep answering my questions. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, but yeah, I can I can see he was just a very nice guy. So I, I think can, I can see him saying, can we just hang out for a while? Because Yeah, I, and that's the interesting part is I think that I think he, he, it's really fresh for him to, 
I think he's interested in people. Like he was asking the engineer a million questions. He, but what was more interesting is I, I shut down all the cameras. I, I, I was very aware of not wanting to ever make it feel strange and stuff. And he was, and it was all so natural and wonderful until the engineer said, can I take a selfie with you? And I'm thankful that he asked because it's the only selfie I had. <laughs> but, but at the same time, you could see that, you know, he, that's when instead of just being Paul, the man, you know, now, now there's, it changes the dynamic. And it's like, I think he just really appreciates probably having that conversation with you and just getting to talk and reminisce. And he fucking loves music. Like he's a creative man who just loves to build. And so I'm sure that conversation for him, he gets as much out of it as you get, you know, it's. Well, let's not get crazy. Well, another collaborator that you worked with on the album is uh, Ryan Tatter, who co-wrote the album's title track with you. And you actually posted on Instagram that it was like the best session ever. Um, so what was it like? <laughs> what was it like getting to write with Ryan? Well, interestingly enough, it's we we really clicked, you know, and hit it off. And I'd say that, I mean, we talk all the time now and um We'd met each other on different shows internationally, you know, through Germany or Africa or all these different places. And we'd, we'd meet and, Hey man, how are you? And, um, but he is, uh, he, obviously he's a really special cat. He's a beautiful human being and he is an exceptional writer. I think the thing that was fascinating for me to watch was he, he comes from such a place of honesty when he writes because he has, there's no insecurity in the room. It's tough. You know, you sit in a room with new people and you're exposing yourself in sharing these new ideas that are fucking great or terrible. Like not, you know what I mean? It just, it's can be terrible. And, but the, the, but it's so hard to let go. It's so hard to just go, I'm just going to blah, 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 and, and, and just sing something and maybe it'll work. And, um, it was a, it was an, actually the session was very, it was the weirdest session of my life. The best and weirdest. It was the weirdest <laughs> session of my life. I'll tell you how the session went. He walked in the studio, Greg Wells, and he and I talked about bullshit, you know, about, you know, stuff that we had, you know, common stuff, the COVID and blah, blah, blah. And then Greg, all of a sudden, Greg turned and he said, I have a melody in my head. Let's go to the piano. Like Batman. And we all right. ran to the piano. To the piano. To the piano. <laughs> and then Greg started to play this melody, kind of pretty melody, but I'm, uh, and then Ryan sitting with his phone like this, Ryan's going, and I'm standing there with my Starbucks and I'm going, oh shit, I'm not saying anything. I'm not coming up with anything. I'm not a fucking part of this. Why? Michael, say something. Just say do something. The end, but the song wasn't going anywhere. And I usually write by myself. And right. so I'm starting to get panicked and I started to go uh, trying to improvise myself. And then I just panicked and I said, Hey guys, you're going to think I'm crazy. But a few months ago when I was giving the kids a shower, my eight year old sang this hook. And I sang, when you go low and I go high. Boom, 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 boom. And Tedder looked up at me and Greg looked up at me and they went, what's that? <laughs> and 
And within about 35 minutes, I had turned an idea that had come from the head of an eight-year-old kid into one of the great songs that I've ever written. And we okay. knew it, man. And it's funny because Tedder said to me, hey, I'm going to come. Maybe I can do an hour or something. I got to take off to do this other thing. Dude, we stayed for, he stayed for, he came every day for the next five days. We just, every morning. And it was like, and I, I remember Greg saying to me, Mike, Mike, you know, he, Greg does a million writing sessions too. And it was like, you do a million of these and, and not, you know what I mean? You do a ton, but every once in a while, something, you know, you, know, you get a song and you go, okay, we got, what a joy to walk into a studio with nothing and walk out with something. Sorry, you were going to ask me, I, and I, I, Keith, go ahead. You gloss right past the 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 really interesting nugget there. I mean, all of this is interesting. Please do, please forgive my my <laughs> bad choice of words. Um, your son helped write this song. It sounds like is yeah. your son a credited songwriter on this track? That he is. That's so he's going to get some publishing royalties off yeah. this album. That, that he is. It was the this first is question. his college fund. How the, first fund. the first question he asked. I'm going to. He's he's a smart kid. He's How like, much do I get? Right. What's How my much split? am I getting? What's my <laughs> yeah. split? Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm sure that conversation went great with Ryan. It's like, so Ryan, you'll be sharing this with my son. I mean, it's amazing. It's amazing that, uh, you know, he, um, it's amazing that so much of the inspiration of this record stemmed from my family, from how I feel about my wife and how, what I've been through, uh, what we've been through with our kids. And, uh, and it was impossible for it not to become a, something that really, uh, listen, I'm a happy, I'm a happy man. My family's healthy and, uh, I'm just really grateful. I'm just really grateful. I come with an attitude of gratitude as cheesy as that might sound, but now it's a joyful record. It comes through. Yeah. It, 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 even my first, my last, my everything, it was like, mm -hmm. we were doing it and we were like, yeah, I was like, yeah, you know what we should do? I, 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 we were in the studio doing it. And I said, Oh, I said, this should be like Elvis Presley's, uh, burn in love bing, ding, gong, ding, ding, gong, ding, gong. and uh it's funny when we were looking at what would make the record that song wasn't even on the radar it was just a fun thing that would but every time i would play it greg would say dude this is a love letter to your wife like this is just and he kept saying the word joy it's joy there's so much joy here and he was like fuck what anybody think just mike let this record be about joy let it be about celebrating your life and and that's kind of what it became all right. Um, you are playing in Vegas at the uh, theater at Resorts World. Uh, you have dates in April and May, and then you have a UK tour this summer. And you're also heading to South America in November. So you're going all over the place. What can we expect from these run of shows? Well, I just, I, I, I just did a tour. I finished the tour in COVID. I did 30. Oh gosh, days. you, don't, you were one of the hardcore people that got out there. <laughs> I was one of the ones that, that was, yeah. Okay. And I was one of the hardcore people that went out and made no money. <laughs> I, hired, I hired, I hired an epidemiologist and a team to come out with me to make sure that they'd set protocols. And I think I was one of the few tours that actually got through all of the American dates without oh. getting one positive test. Oh I, was my really God. Proud. I was really, really proud. And it was nice for me to be able to pay my crew and to pay my yeah. rent because it, it gets a little dire and um, I didn't make too much, but they did. So I was happy to get to do it. I think, listen, I think people are going to, are going to just, I just think I, I just try to take them away and spread some, spread some goodness. You know, that's it. I can't wait to be out there. Like, Listen, the people behind me are my family. I've got people I've now toured with for 20 years and they're my brothers and sisters. 
And I have a crew that I've been with the same crew. I mean, 20 years, the same people. It is the same people I started with. Um, and so the fact that I have this army behind me that I, I happen to be in love with, uh, is a joy. And then the fact that I get to go and bring that army to stand up in front of, um, thousands, thousands of people who, uh, are souls that I'm so excited to connect to again. Listen, I think I need the therapy as much as, as they might, uh, we've all gone through a ton. And I think the strongest of us have realized how vulnerable our mental health is. And, um, and even if I can only take moments to take people away and to, to bring them to a better place, then I'm pretty happy to do it. I'd also like to make some money to pay <laughs> off my wife's Amazon debts. <laughs> uh, um, Amazon trucks every day coming to the drive. What did you buy, Luisana? I don't know. Something. A new, a new, a new piece of uh, Michael Bublé merchandise. She's yeah, supporting the cause yeah, right. through Amazon. <laughs> no, most of the things are seriously. This thing, Mike, is amazing. It's a thing of vacuum, but also it does a dusting, and you can also fold. It's like I. It's just new shit shows up every day. It folds clothes. It makes yes. pizza. It yes. slices. It does. It's always. She's got such OCD that it's like they're always cleaning. Like, did we need four hundred Swift? What the? F <laughs> it's true. And by the um, way, I've had no coffee. Zero. Okay. <laughs> tea. It's tea and some. You know, there's caffeine Pepsi. and tea. And no, there's caffeine and chamomile. Not in chamomile. <laughs> okay. And the Pepsi. Yeah. Now, the crack I took. I okay. Know. Yes. It's a different the hard, story. The hard drugs you took earlier, those are working like a charm. Yeah. Yes. Um, okay. Except well, I microdosed all those mushrooms and everything would be fine. Yeah. Um, God, uh, well, thank the you. And the downers. <laughs> the uppers, the downers. I don't know how we balance them all out. Oh my gosh. Um, okay. Well, this has been great. This has been super fun. Um, we can keep talking to you for a long time. We had other questions to ask, but we just don't have enough time. Next time. Um, next time, you know, you can come back. You'll be a yeah, regular occurrence. Thank you. Um, have a beautiful day. Same bye, to you. Go out well for a nice walk. <laughs> we'll swing by the hotel. We'll okay. <laughs> bye. Bye. Have some of those nachos with me. Or yes. <laughs> Okay, now we're leaving. Bye. Thank you so much to Michael for talking with us. Uh, and apparently we now know he gets all that energy from decaf chamomile. That's it. Sure. That's all that man is fueled by. <laughs> he's, he's, he's always a jovial... <laughs> charismatic gentleman and i think you know he just he just he's the, he's that razzle dazzle kind of guy all the time um but it was just it was normally you don't it, it was just it even pops off the zoom screen you guys honestly honestly <laughs> honestly he was just a, a joy and a delight and um uh, thank you to to him and his folks for letting us actually graciously have more time than we expected to have with him yeah and like this man has been on everything lately like I, I, he was on good morning america and tonight show and all this and i'm like and he made time for our little podcast and we he, appreciate you he made time he made time for little old billboard <laughs> um all right well now it's time for the chart stat of the week you are far when i could have been your star 19 years ago this month michael buble oh, hey. made his billboard chart debut i wish it was 20 years but you know it's all right <laughs> As his self-titled album arrived on multiple charts, including the Billboard 200, dated March 1st, 2003. 
The album would peak at number 47 on the Billboard 200 and begin a storied career for the artist on Billboard's lists. Here's some highlights. 15 charting albums so far on the Billboard 200, including eight top tens, four of which were number one. And, of course, his new album could easily add to those figures. 14 entries on Billboard's Jazz Albums chart, 13 of which hit the top 10, and eight of them reached number one. 33 hits on the Adult hmm. Contemporary chart, including 21 top 10s and six number ones. His current hit, I'll Never Not Love You, from his new album, is currently climbing the tally. Plus... 11 Hot 100 hits and charting singles on the adult pop songs, pop songs, and even the dance club songs okay, chart. Okay, Michael. All right, remixed Michael Buble. <laughs> so there you have it, a little stroll down chart memory lane, courtesy of our special guest this week, Michael Buble. You're every line, you're every word, you're everything. can't believe that we've only had 19 years with Michael. Just like the songs he performs, he's a he's a standard that has been in our life for not even two decades apparently. I just I feel like he just has such a, a an amazing career too because obviously like so many people know him for Christmas music, for uh jazz standards, but then he's also had these hit songs that he co-wrote that are brand new. Um so it's like he's got a great mixture of all that, you know? It's pretty it's a recipe for an incredibly long career, honestly. Yeah, and if and if you if I I, I would say that if you aren't incredibly familiar with Michael Bublé's uh, work, Give the new album a listen because you might be surprised at what you hear because there really is an interesting – I mean we teased it in the interview, but there really is an eclectic mix of new new stuff. Covers. Kind of expected covers and then curveball covers that you just were not expecting. Right, songs that you think you know, but when you – you might see the song title and think, oh, I know that one. But then you hear his version of it and it's like, oh, I've never heard that way. You know, like that – definitely. Right. Curveball covers is a good way of saying it. Okay, so what songs should we go out on? This is really the, just the Buble cast today. <laughs> let, let us hope let us hope that the audio that we recorded for the first time in this new studio worked. actually worked out. Because this is a great show, and so it, I hope people hear it. Because if we have to do this a second time... It won't be nearly as charming. It will not be that charming nor sparkling. We'll be mad. We'll be, we'll be like, welcome to the goddamn we'll podcast. We'll be like, God, just listen to Buble. Um, <laughs> let him give you the charm. Here's the interview. I'm, and um, Alright, so what song should we go out on? Um, I mean, I, I kind of want to hear I Just Haven't Met You Yet. <laughs> Okay. After all that buble talk. We'll go out on that, and we'll see you guys next time. Bye. Bye. And I promise you, kid, that I'll get so much more than I get. I just haven't met you yet.